so um, let's read let's read first Corinthians uh, 1 26 through 31 again here and see where the Lord steers us um, Paul says this for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, or some translations say, who was made unto us, wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So, uh, I guess the thing that, the first thing that comes to my heart when I read this has just been... Uh, the thing that's been on my mind as I as I kind of wrote down some things to say is just the f- the fact that God. Well, let's ask the question: Why does God choose the the base, the weak, the things that are not? I don't I don't think it's because He's particularly impressed with those things. I think it's because it's in those people and. In the hearts that are uh, that that realize that they have nothing, they realize that they are nothing. The things that are weak to man, the things that are unimpressive, the things that are small—it's it's in those those people who know that they have nothing and are nothing—are the ones that begin to receive what he gives, and. And, and most people, if people are finding their treasure in the earth, if people are finding what they're looking for in the, in the created realm of, of shadows, fallen shadows, that are temporarily pleasing for the natural man, um, when I say fallen shadows, I mean shadows that are, are pictures of spiritual realities, but man has perverted them according to his own fall and used them for his own glory. If, if a heart is, is, is gathering up and gaining and acquiring for himself the, the things, the wisdom, the, the, the glory of, of that world then that is their reward in full that's all that they'll ever have that's all that they'll ever um, all that they'll ever know is a collection of uh, fallen shadows that are temporarily pleasant to a man that is rejected of God uh, uh, temporarily pleasant to the flesh but those hearts that are Gasping and seeking and reaching and hoping and, and uh, groping, as Paul says in, in Acts seventeen twenty six, groping for the Lord, 
for something beyond. Maybe they don't even know it's the Lord, but they're but they're groping for something beyond the passing pleasures of sin and a fallen creation. Those people who don't who aren't impressed and therefore don't seek after the the wisdom of the world, the things of the world, that they ha, they those people are ones that um, <clears throat> that oftentimes the seed can find a little crack in the soil to go in. The seed that the seed that is Christ, the seed that God sows. So Christ sows a seed. What is that seed? That seed is His own life. It's a it's a what a, a seed is an interesting thing because it has the fullness of life without the fullness of expression, and that's what He sows. He sows the fullness of His life in the form of a seed. It's a perfect seed, but it, it's it's small and easily overlooked and. Um, <clears throat> And it's easily trampled upon. It's easily picked off by birds and choked out by by weeds. And he sows that into a heart. And, and most hearts, just to be totally honest, most hearts don't receive it at all. Most hearts, it just bounces off. I think the majority of, I, I, I can't say this for certain, but if the parable of the sower and, and the seed, I, if you had to put percentages uh, next to those different kinds of soil, you know, there's the path that's hard, and there's the... the um, the rocky soil and the weedy soil or the, the thorny soil or whatever. And then there's the good soil that reaps 30, 60, 100 fold. I, I'd say that, the, I, in my opinion, the vast, vast majority are the rocky, or the, are not the rocky, the, uh, the path, the ones that it, it can't even find a place to go. And, that, and then the reason, the reason is, is because man thinks so highly of himself. Man thinks... Even if he doesn't think highly of himself, he thinks constantly of himself. Man, if man is such a, I want, and I, I hope you can hear this. Um, I, I was, I don't know, I was thinking about this last night. I was driving somewhere, and I, I was just seeing that man's man is full of thoughts about himself. That's really almost all that we think about. And that's why, why is something relevant to us? It's to the measure that we find it beneficial for self. Why is something interesting? Why is something beautiful? Why is something, it's all, it's all the pursuits for the benefit of, of self. You know, we, man is filled with self-love and, and it's actually, it's a, it's a, it's a twisted kind of self-love too, because we choose things that are actually not for our own benefit. It's a it's a self love that is perverted and 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 governed by the enemy of our soul, the one that's actually killing us with our own desires, our own deception, and our and our lives. What we do, almost what you know, what what's behind our conversations, what's behind our relationships, what's behind everything we do is this is this incessant. And yet, futile attempt to boost ourselves up over our over the world, over our circumstances, over other people, climbing some invisible, imaginary ladders, so that uh, you know. And, and and people are important to us to the measure that they help us do that. You know, I'll, I'll hang out with you. You hang out with me because we both kind of boost each other up in our natural pursuit of self gain. Listen, man loves himself. For all the wrong reasons, too. Man, if, you know, if the, if man loved himself as a vessel of the glory of God, that, that would be a little bit closer to the being on track. Man loves himself for for the 
for the pleasing of the fallen nature that is um, that is set afire by hell. I mean, man loves flesh. It loves his own ideas, loves his wisdom, his plans, his greatness, and his glory, and most everything. And I, I say that I say that in understanding how, how, how broad a statement it is. Most everything that we do is the the pursuit of our own glory. And Jesus says, how can you believe what I'm saying to you if you are still seeking the glory that comes from man? How can it's impossible. He he could have said, how can the seed go into the hard path, the concrete pavement? And do you know what makes it so hard? It's because you're still seeking the glory that is from below. You can't, it'll never happen. It'll never, and, and so when Paul says God seeks these low things or you chooses these low things, it's not because he's impressed with the lowness of man. It's because those people have cracks in their sidewalk that the seed can get in. Those people at least, at least have begun to accept and, 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 uh, and understand the, the nothingness of that of that man and and so from it's been this way from the very beginning it's always been man man started staring at himself uh in, in Genesis chapter 3 you know uh, that's what he did man chose a tree that was was satan's was the serpent's lie represented the serpent's lie that man could actually have something be something do something know something uh, independent from the one who would would be made unto him all those things that he wanted to be see that's what paul's saying here is that christ is made unto you all these things that you're not You'll never have them in yourself. You'll never find them in yourself. They're not in you. They're in someone else. And man's perpetual carnal pursuit at all times from the very beginning is to find those things in himself. That's what man wants. That's what man has always wanted. That's what you, if I can just speak plainly to you, many of you woke up thinking about that this morning, you know. And maybe maybe some of you didn't. I hope you don't. I, I, I mean, but that's what fills man's mind. You you. You, you wake up, you just, with the, the first thing that starts spinning in your head is, it, it has to do with what can I know, what can I do, what can I be, what can I have. It just starts going, boom, and the motor turns on, and, and that's what man does. That's what man did, you know. Look at that tree, the serpent says. It, it, it can actually make you wise. It can cause you to know like God knows. It, it's good for the flesh. It's good, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. They're all right there. It's good for the eyes. It's good to make one wise. It's, it's beautiful, and it'll make you like God. There, go get it. That was... Uh, that was the beginning of, of and, and nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing. I mean, the, the, the variety, the, the, the variety of, of man's ex- expressions of that has changed. I suppose it's gotten gotten broader, but the nature is same. The nature is exactly the same, and God will not mix with that nature. God will not mix with that man. He stands. He stands far. See, and and people they don't. They don't realize how inaccessible God is to that man. You can cry out to him your whole life in that birth, and that man. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And the flesh is calling out to God, trying to be something and know God for his own benefit and have God 
save that flesh and bless it and protect it and use it and, and, and make it anointed and make it, you know, you can cry out to God your whole life for that. And God has absolutely no problem ignoring that. That is the man that he has rejected. That is the seed. That is, as we said last week, that is Cain's offering. Why didn't you accept my offering? Cain, or Cain says to God, it was the best of the earth. It was the best of what I grew out of this cursed ground. And and, and Abraham says the same thing. Why can't you just accept Ishmael? He's the he's my firstborn. God, God's response is, you don't. You, you will have a son. You know, who's Ishmael? Esau cries out with a, with a very great cry, shaking, trembling before Isaac. Don't you, for Pete's sake, he says it three times. Don't you have another blessing besides the one that you gave already to the one who has the birthright and the inheritance? Don't you have something, anything? And Isaac says, I don't have anything. You know, and... and the, the story of the first and the second. See, the first birth, the first man, the first is rejected. The second is accepted. Esau, I have hated. Jacob, I have loved. The first is rejected. He gives you the second, but he doesn't mix it with the first. And that's what the cross does. That's what the cross is. It is the elimination in your soul from the man, of the man that God has rejected. And always will. It's Saul crying out to God. Why? You're, this is too much. You can't take the kingdom from me. I'll, I'll fight against your king every day of my life. You know, I'll throw a spear at him. I'll, I'll chase him around with my 300 choice men. As long as, as there's some hope, you know, some hope that I can still have something of God, have something of God's anointing. Well, the first always does that. Read every, all the stories of the first, you know, Manasseh and Ephraim. Jacob crosses his arms, gives the greater blessing to the second, and, and the lesser blessing to the first. And Joseph says, not so, Father, but this one is the, oh, is the firstborn. And that one, it, everything in us cries out, not so, Father. I, you, you, you've got to love the first man, the first birth, the fallen sea, the, the corrupt. You, you, no. The way that God loves your soul is by offering you a way out of that man. The way that God shows his love for you is by opening up a blood-covered door and then saying, if anyone will die the death of Christ, you can live the life of Christ. That's, that's what he does. That is the love of God. The incredible, unbelievable love of God is to give you an exodus. What's the Exodus like? It's well, it's like it's like an angel showing up at your house and saying, You gotta get out of this place because God is gonna destroy the entire thing. Well, I, I don't think I can really go right now. And the angel takes your hand and says, You gotta come out right now. You better you better come. And he says, Well, you know, I, let's wait a little bit. I have got some friends. No, no, let's get out right now. And don't look back. If you look back, you're gonna become what you're looking at. That's what it's like. It's a lot like that. It's a like, lot like a lot of the stories in the Bible of an Exodus. God will not, he doesn't come to your soul to fix that man. He stands far off from that man in his pride. He stands, all that that man does. Friends, just, just I'll understand this. All that that man does, even his most religious thoughts and his greatest pursuits, they are. They are controlled by three things. Well, they're controlled by one thing that has three branches. 
The thing that they're controlled by is the nature of sin, which is the nature of Satan, working in the fallen man. But that thing has three, three things that tickles its fancy, three branches that catches its attention. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And, and, and God hides himself from that. He, he hides from the wise and alerted and reveals himself to babes. What does he reveal to babes? He reveals the way out of that man. He reveals the way out. He reveals the parted Red Sea and and says, get out. He he reveals the highway of holiness out from Babylon and says, come out from among her. Touch no unclean thing. He reveals reveals the way. What's the way? Christ is the way. What's he the way out of? He's the way out of you. He's the way out of man. and, And the gospel, see, that's what Paul's saying here is the gospel is for those who will come out of that the gospel is an invitation out it's not it's and and man creates a gospel man creates a, a false gospel and what's wrong with man's gospel is it is it using the wrong bible no they've got the right bible is it using the wrong words no oftentimes they have the right words is it is it is it the you know what is it is it the, the pews you know is it the building well i mean those things definitely have become idols in a lot of people's hearts but that's really not the issue What's, the, what's wrong with the gospel that man preaches? I'll tell you what's wrong with the gospel. It's for the wrong man. It's a gospel for the flesh. It's God's appreciation for, or his use of, or his blessing for, or his salvation for, the very thing that he rejects. Now that, that's, that's it. I mean, it might be big, it might be bigger than that, but, 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 that's at least a big part of it. Man has created a gospel that has God trying to save, bless, protect, help, and appreciate everything that he rejects and is trying to free you from, trying to save you from it. He's trying to bring your soul out of, you see, this, well, I'll get into that later. He's trying to save your soul. He's doing two things. He's doing the same two things that David did in the land. He's killing the flesh and he's saving Israel. He's removing every uncircumcised fleshly thing that breathes. And and, and yet he is bringing his Israel under glad subjection to a righteous king. That's what he's doing. But our gospel is focused on the wrong man and that's what makes it see people begin to people people that have a little bit of light shining in their heart they begin to to feel they go to they go to a a normal church type setting or group or something and and something feels wrong and they can't put their finger on it there what what is it that feels so wrong about this you know, the, the guy the guy's preaching out of Romans, or, or, or the song is, is just, sing, you know, it's singing something out of Isaiah. It, it, that's not, what's, what's wrong with this? You know, and they can't put their finger on it until all of a sudden the light shines a little brighter. And, and the thing, the thing that's wrong with it is that it's, it, it doesn't declare, it doesn't it contain, it doesn't involve the, the judgment, the elimination, the cross. It, it doesn't, it, it has the cross on the wall, it has the cross on the, on the, on the, 
on the hymnal, there it is, there's the, but it doesn't have the cross in the gospel. I mean, it has it as a historical event. It has it as a foundational pillar. It has it as one of the parts of the creed. It doesn't have it as the declaration of God's rejection of the first man, the first birth. It doesn't have it standing there right in front of Cain's offering saying, rejected. It doesn't have it there saying that doesn't have it there. See that, and we offer up everything out from ourselves and we say, man, God's got to really appreciate this because it's everything that it's for all my heart. And God says, no, listen, your heart's the thing that has the flesh reigning in it. There, that's, see, that's idolatry. When man worships God without God's spirit, that's idolatry. That's what, that's the definition of idolatry. That's what an idol is. It is the worship of God without God's spirit. God's, that's, that's, it's the ministry of God without God's spirit. It's the teaching in the name of God without God's spirit. It's the faith, faith in God without God's spirit. It's everything that's coming from the wrong man. It's coming, it's coming from the wrong man and, 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 and it, and it, 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 it's, gets the same reception in the Lord's mind, in the Lord's heart, as every single thing that man has ever offered up in the first. The first is rejected. And man can cry out over and over again. Man can say with Esau, you know, let me just read that to you, because uh, the language of it is really strong. Genesis so, so Esau comes in and he says, well, Esau comes in and then, and then Isaac says, Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who, who, who are you? Where, where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate of it before you came and I have blessed him and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. And then it says even a little later, uh, he says it again in verse 36. Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And then in 38 he says it again. Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. That, my friends, is what our hearts cry out. And what God cries out. And the thing that makes, the thing that puts a crack in that in that pavement of our heart, the thing that cracks it open so that it can receive the seed. There's a, there's a, there's something that goes out before the the coming of the Lord. There's some, there's a forerunner that comes out and, and it comes, he comes out before the Lord to prepare a place in your heart, to prepare a way, to make a way for the Lord in your heart. And he has to say something very specific in your heart for you to even crack your little, crack, crack your little cement open enough to receive a seed. The seed has the power to destroy the cement. You've seen, you've seen seeds break through cement. You've seen, that's what, you know, you've seen those little paths that go through the woods that, where, where it's amazing how, how a seed can just find a little crack 
and start growing and break apart that stone. That's amazing. And, and yet, it, there's nothing impossible for the seed as long as it starts to live where it's planted. But, but if, it can't, if it can't come to life, if it can't get a root down, if it can't find a place, then it doesn't grow. And there's no power when it's not growing. There's no power when it's not increasing. But there's something that comes out, this is what I'm trying to say, this is what happened in Jesus' first coming, his, his, I mean his natural coming, his, his coming in the flesh, there was something that had to come prepare a way, and this was, this, this was natural, I mean this was a man, and, and he said something, and now, now the Spirit of God does the very same thing in our hearts to prepare the way to, to see Christ, for the appearing of Christ in spirit. But he, he came out from God and he had a very specific thing to say. And what did he say? He said the thing that man can't bear to listen to. He said the thing that, that if man would just turn and heed this one thing, then, then there then there'd be room in his heart to receive the seed of life. But he won't hear it. He can't bear it. He can't listen to it. What's the thing that the forerunner says? What's the thing that John the Baptist said? That the thing that, that the the thing that Isaiah prophesied that the forerunner would say? What's the thing that the Spirit tries constantly to say to our hearts so that we can turn and receive His living Christ? Here's what it is: All flesh is grass. All all flesh is grass. Can you hear that message? Okay. That's the only way you're going to ever see Christ. That's the only way that the glory of God is revealed. All flesh is grass. God says, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit, and the flesh profits nothing, the spirit gives life. Do you, do you know what that means? Have you, have you let the Lord show you what that means? He goes on, Isaiah 40 continues, Behold, the nations are a drop in a bucket. They are counted as small dust on the scales. He lifts up the islands and sees that they are a very little thing and that Lebanon is not even sufficient to be burnt. And all nations before him are nothing and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. That's all part of the Isaiah 40 forerunner message. Can you bear it? Can you hear it? will Will you accept that? Will you accept that's what man has become? And someone says, no, 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 I was created in the image of God. Friend, you lost that image when you ate that lie. And and even when Adam had that image, it was a shadow. Even when Adam had that likeness, it was a picture. And you you don't have that. You have lost and not just loss. You haven't just, you're a sponge that fell out of a clean water bucket, but you didn't just fall onto the ground. You fell into muck. You fell into mud. You so, it's filled your pores. It's become what you are. It's become what you call your life. And so God says, look, I have a solution, but, but, the, but it's, but it's going to cost you what you call your life. I have a exodus, but you're going to have to come out of what you've come into. I have a salvation, but it doesn't accept what you are. It frees you from it. I have a redemption. I have a sanctification, but it's going to have to be the the cleansing, the purifying of the vessel of everything that you've called your life. 
I'm going to send it down. It's, it's like what we were, again, what we said last week. Christianity comes down. It comes down as something totally contrary and foreign to you. And it looks for a place to live. It doesn't just look for someone that'll believe in the, in the, in the four, you know, Romans road concepts, you know, whatever. It doesn't, that doesn't just look for someone that'll believe in creeds and go to a building on Sundays. It looks for a place to live. It comes down looking for a for that. That's what the seed does. It doesn't doesn't look for someone who will believe in the seed. It looks for someone that will receive its life and bear its bear its increase. And it's alive. It's a very it's it's a very intrusive seed. It's a very invasive seed. It's not just it doesn't just sit there and grow on top of the pavement. It crushes. It brings it to nothing. It crumbles it, and it's like that little stone in in in, in Daniel. It comes out. You know, where did this stone come from? It wasn't even cut with human hands. Here it comes. What's it going to do? Can't do anything to that statue. That statue is way bigger than it. It crushes the statue. It destroys it. It hits it like the like the rock hit Goliath. Takes the whole thing down. It, it kills the whole thing. It, how did that little stone do? And what's it doing now? Well, holy cow, look at that stone. It's growing. It's becoming a mountain. It's filling the whole earth. That's what the, that's the gospel, friends. That's what Christ does. It comes down and it doesn't mix with the statue. It's, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't sit on the statue's head like a crown or, 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 or someone doesn't carve it into a nice, you know, I don't know, a necklace for the statue or some kind of a accessory it kills the statue the, the, the whole thing the gold the silver the bronze the, the iron mixed with clay the whole it's destroyed doesn't save one bit of it and then the the, the, the stone you know what I'm talking about Daniel chapter 2 you know the story I think it, do, it doesn't doesn't help the statue it doesn't save the statue the stat what is the statue the statue or the, the he tells you what the statue is it's the kingdoms of the earth it's everything man ever it's the glory of the kingdoms of the world it's, it's adam it's the whole adamic man and all of his glory and there comes the little stone and someone says hey look here comes the messiah we've been waiting for him crack you know <laughs> there goes the whole thing oh friends i this is the this is the gospel. Every single aspect of what God offers you in His Son, you either fall on it and be broken, or it falls on you and grinds you to powder. It doesn't mix, and that's why God finds room in the base things, the little things, the despised things, the things that are nothing. Every every single aspect of what Christ offers the soul, his life, his light, his love, his righteousness, his wisdom. It all comes down in a seed. It all comes down in a, a perfect seed looking for a place to dwell. And everyone, and we, we, you know, we, we try to tell people you can, you can be a Christian and still live. You can, you know, God, Christ will help your life. He'll, he'll protect your life. He'll bless your life. You don't know that seed. Friend, if you're saying that, you've never met that seed. God has a special purpose for you. He's going to use everything good that you have and protect everything that you love. And you don't know that little rock. You you actually think you think that you, you think that you're David, but the little rock's coming right at your head, and it's going to sink into your temple, and it's going to bring you down. And it's going to cut off your head. And it's going to, if you, if you cling to it, if you love it, if you 
tremble before it. If you're willing to become small and weak and nothing, if you're going to be a trembler before the word, to this one I will look. Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where is the place I'm going to live? Where is the house you're going to build for me? To this one I'll look. To him who is humble, contrite, and trembles before my little stone. Well, that's what he'll do to you. He will crush everything that has man as its source. He will judge that first birth. He will say to Cain's offering, no good. He will say to Esau, you're not the right birth. He will say to Ishmael, you are not the son that came out of the dead womb. He he will say to Saul, you are not a man after my own heart. He will say to Leah, you are not the one that I've loved from the beginning. He will say to everything of the first, no, I have a choice See, he's going to cut down the whole thing that you've built. Man says, well, I'll build it again. You may build, says the Lord, but I will tear it down. But if you'll, if you'll be nothing, and you'll be small, and you'll be weak, and you'll be a trembler. Will you be a tr- trembler? You know. Well, then you'll experience this seed doing in you what all of the pictures of the Bible have always pointed to. What does God want? He wants to feel, he wants to, yeah, he loves you. Someone says, well, then he wants to kill me. Well, yeah, but he, he, that's his love for you. He wants to give you what you're not. He wants to be made unto you what you can never be. You can't find it in yourself. Stop trying to be wisdom. You'll find it in Christ. And yes, you'll experience it. And if I ever get there, I want to talk about that. Yes, you'll experience all that he is, but you'll never find it in yourself. What does he want to do in you? He wants to increase. That's what he wants to do. He wants to multiply. He wants to do what he did in the beginning with everything that he created. He filled the earth and multiplied and expanded and exercised dominion and had authority. Filling, filling, growing. So that the so that the new creation becomes an increase... An, ex- an increased expression and kingdom of the new man. But the, so- the soil has to allow the seed. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Every, every, everything and, and every, everything that is anything in, Christian- in true Christianity is the working of this precious, perfect seed in the soul. And it works death to you. And yet it fills you. It, 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 it kills everything that was there and yet it saves your soul and fills it with something. Someone, and again, I know the object, but someone says, I, I, people say this kind of thing all the time. Well, uh, it sounds like God, it sounds like God doesn't love me then. No, friend, friend, the love of God for you is the giving of his son to you. The love of God for you is the rejection of everything that is... It's the rejection of what you call your life, yes. But what you call your life is your greatest enemy and you cannot see it. You don't know the enemy. And the love of God is, is saving you from what you've made friends with by killing it. 
and giving you something that is 100% contrary to you. And that's why Paul says this, Of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification. He doesn't say that Jesus Christ made you wise and made, made you righteous and made you sanctified. He became those things in us. Salvation is a person. He, he's a person that lets you live in Him and lets you experience forever the things that He is and, and the relationship that He has with His Father and all of the attributes and realities that are uniquely Him and uniquely His. And generally Christians, in my opinion, generally Christians don't understand. They don't understand that. They don't understand that, 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 that Christianity is Christ living in you. And, and, and that... That salvation, your experience of salvation is, is quite simply God putting you in His Son and letting you experience and, and grow up in the, in the reality and the experience of all that Christ is. We, we think we don't understand the distinction between the two births. We, we think that salvation is for the first birth. We think that the promises of God are for the first birth. We apply the promises of God to the wrong man. We do that all the time. All of those promises belong to the seed. And those who, as Paul says, those who have died with him and live by his seed and in his seed experience all of those promises as yes and amen. They're all yes and amen in the seed. And yet they're all no way to the wrong seed. And this is kind of where... I don't have a whole lot of time to get into this, but I feel like here, here there's kind of like two, two common errors that go out in two different directions. One of them is this idea that God is making man uh, spiritual. And what I mean by that is that teaching me true things makes me be wise. Or letting me live forever is eternal life. Or doing certain things and not doing other certain things is righteousness. Or... Uh, teaching certain things is ministry. See, I, when all of that very very often just comes still from the flesh, all that still comes from the first birth, and all these things are Christ, and the soul, fi- the soul needs to find Christ and know Christ to be righteousness, wisdom, life, light, all these things, okay? And, and so many, many Christians try to learn these things and become these things and know these things uh, in themselves instead of knowing them, experiencing them, uh, partaking of those things as they are in Christ. They never cease being Christ. They never start to be me. They, 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 they're always Him. They're always His. And I access them and experience them. The other error is that having seen that these are all Christ... A person says, look, it's Christ's righteousness and not mine, so don't expect to see anything happening in me. It's it's Christ. Don't look at me. You're always going to see garbage if you look at me. Well, there's some truth to that, but there's also a a misunderstanding. You shouldn't see garbage. (laughs) You, You should see a soul that is being transformed by the indwelling Christ. You see... There should be something very mighty happening within your soul, 
cleansing the vessel of all that you are by nature, all that you had in yourself. Some people say, it's not I but Christ, so don't expect to see any righteousness here. Well, that's not true. Christ is supposed to be reigning in you. And though the world, though the world can't usually understand Christ when they see it, just as they didn't understand Christ when they saw Christ. They didn't understand that that's what righteousness was personified. Still, it's wrong to think that there should be no expectation of experiencing the reign of righteousness in your soul. That's not true. There's a difference between, we talked about this on Friday night in one of our groups, there's a difference between Adam and the vessel. Adam is the nature of the life that filled the vessel. That's what God crucifies with the cross. That's what is getting continually put off by the putting on of Christ. But the soul is the vessel. And and it's true that from the first life, from the first man, the first nature, all is unclean, all is evil. But it should not remain that way. You shouldn't be able, 20 years after you get saved and see the division between Adam and Christ, you shouldn't be saying, hey, there's nothing good in me. It's all flesh. You shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be saying that 20 years. That's true as, of the, as to the source. There is nothing good that comes from you as a source. But Paul said that grace was working in him. He said, for me to live as Christ. He said that life was reigning in him. He said <coughs> that it was not I, but Christ living in him. He said grace reigned through righteousness unto eternal life in him. Not because Paul's flesh was made better, but because Paul was being continu- the flesh was continually being cleansed from the soul. And the soul was continually experiencing a completely different life and nature filling him up. So there's there's confusion in that way too. People say, you know what, I'm so glad that I saw that Christ is righteousness and Adam is darkness and flesh and now I just have absolutely, you know, now I understand why I'm such a, I'm just going to stay that way forever. As long as I know that Christ is right. No, you better not. Because the one who is righteousness was given to you to fill your soul. He was given to you to work death in you to everything that's contrary to him. And there there should be a genuine transformation, a genuine conformity to the image of Christ. Not because he's making flesh spiritual, but because he's putting flesh to death and filling you with his own life. And maybe that's not clear. If it's not, we can talk about it now. Uh, I'll I'll stop with that and see.